Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to another week of the Live Life Wrestling Show with Sensei Hogan. That's me, Mike Mauler on the other line. And just sitting here chilling, man. It's a, it's a good day for me. You know, I've, uh, I've achieved another feat that is not afforded to many as I'm celebrating another year of life here on this planet, man. So just kind of kicking back. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. Happy birthday. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. You got big plans tonight? You going to go out and have a good time? Oh, yeah. Actually, starting as soon as we finish wrapping up the show today. So starting a little early. So, oh, cool, man. man. Lots of good stuff, man, with the family. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. Cool. Yeah, well, we're gonna, we have a great guest again today, and we'll just do a little bit of housekeeping before we introduce him. Just wanted to thank everyone that's been leaving us reviews on iTunes, and a lot of people have been using the coupon code LLA. So we'll give you some shout-outs at the end of the episode because I didn't have a chance to drop the names. But these are people that have figured out how to remove their head from their own ass and support the show. So that's something there that the is. rest of you need to you need to follow that lead. So, I mean, it can be done is what we're trying to say. We have thousands of people who listen to the show every week, but we don't have thousands of reviews. And business is great, but I don't see thousands of orders coming in each week. <laughs> right? So you need to use that coupon code LLA. Go to MikeMahler.com, and you can support the show by getting 10% off anything you see there, my supplements, my eBooks, my hormone optimization lectures, you name it. Everything you can with that coupon code, you can get 10% off. And how about with you? Man? And the same thing happens over at NewWarriorTraining.com. Use the same coupon code, 10% off everything over there. And quite a few people are using that coupon code that are listening to the show. But uh, I'm still waiting on you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you point to yourself saying me. Yeah, you, man. Okay, so no, no, really, a really cool guy, Vinny M. Backs. He, not only does he buy products, he he buys products for me regularly, but he also wanted to go beyond that and support the show. And I told him he didn't have to. I'm like, look, you buy enough product. You don't. Your 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 job is done. You know, we we put together the whole Patreon for people that have never bought a thing from right. us before. Who maybe we can guilt into supporting the show. <laughs> we shouldn't have to guilt you. It's the right thing to do. If you listen to the show every week, why wouldn't you want to support it? I mean, if you don't want to support it, you don't listen to the show. That's what mm-hmm. I do. If I don't like a show, I don't listen to it. If I like a show, I want to support it. Yeah, nah. And he he donated a hundred bucks just like that. And he's already spent several hundred dollars buying products. Awesome. He just wanted yeah, he just wanted to really help us out. So we appreciate that. And I'm sure and if you're new to the show and you're listening to like Patreon, what's that about? Hey man, that's another outlet in which you can support the show by heading over to Patreon. Patreon.com slash LLA podcast. P A T R E O N dot com slash LLA podcast. Become a monthly supporter of the show right there. It's really simple and easy. When you see that little box where it says become a patron, where it says a dollar, delete that. Start with five <laughs> or add more and go with that because come on, a dollar. Come on. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's not, even dollar stores are not even a dollar anymore. They're in like a dollar 19 now. So it's otherwise, well, otherwise we're going to give you praise for being a dollar guy. We're going to start putting together a list. And so-and-so and Jim Rom donated a buck last week. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, man, my, that dollar guy might also be the one-minute man. So it's not good advertising for you for our female <laughs> listeners out there, man. So just go ahead and step it up a little bit. So anyway. yeah, I, just, I mean, I just, I just rescued a 15-year-old dog, so I need some of those donations to pay his vet bills, <laughs> you know, <laughs> grooming. He's a cocker spaniel. Grooming expenses, you know. So it's all going to go to a good cause. We we exactly. put these money to good causes. We're not you're not going to support our products and businesses and the show, and then you're going to see photos of sincere at the local strip club, you know, with the, with hundred dollar bills going on the stage and a couple of black you know, eyes too. Or, <laughs> or me and Tim Larkin at the Rhino. Just I mean, maybe, he may he may be I there. I don't know. But, <laughs> <laughs> with Thomas Inglaton, but I'm not going to be there wasting money. I've got exactly. better things. 
Perfect, man. <laughs> All right. So anyway, a segue into our guest today. We have another guy who's a great supporter of the show. He's a, he's a fan of both of our businesses. He's a great fitness background, and he's has a really interesting life story in how he transitioned into a fitness professional, into a comedian, and then he co-hosts a show with Dr. Drew, Loveline. Yeah, so we say. have Mike. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying we kind of have that similar path where we went from radio to fitness to now doing radio shows and podcasts. So only thing is I didn't do the comedian thing. So yeah, we got some of the backgrounds right there. So yeah. Man. Well, you didn't you didn't do porn like he did either. Maybe I did. I maybe know. I didn't. I'm not answering that. I'm just. Saying. I mean, I know you were in the porn industry, but not as an actor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Twenty facts you don't know about sincere. That was one of them. <laughs> Directing, right? <laughs> uh, more than you want to do a podcast on more than you ever want to know about, about the porn industry. <laughs> uh, we have Mike Catherwood on the show today. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great, gentlemen. Thank you. Oh, it's good, good to have you, man. So, so how did this, I mean, first of all, how did you, how did you transit, what got you into being a fitness professional to start off with? And then how did you transition into that to some of the things you're doing now? Um, when I was in my early twenties, I had just, um, I had just moved back to Los Angeles where I'm from. Um, and I was living on the East coast. I was trying to become a rock star. That's what I thought I was going to do when I was a, a teenager. I really, I mean, I was convinced I was going to be like, a punk rock superstar and oh, really? um, you were a singer or a guitar player yeah bass player and, and, oh, cool. and vocals and i was in a, a band called gfp which um uh in like the like the real kind of i mean i know mike you're really into hardcore and so in the in the in the hardcore scene i mean we had some success but it, i mean it certainly wasn't like i was gonna you know become some financials uh <laughs> so some know. success means you had 10 people show up at, at a show <laughs> right. you know Hard, exactly. Hardcore shows could be kind of demoralizing. Even some of the bigger bands, you look at some of their live footage on YouTube, and you see twenty kids in the audience. You're like, oh, this and, guy's probably and, made fifty bucks that night. When you're when you're eighteen, and you know from from like a you, like you, in the nineties when you like that whole hardcore and skate scene and the hip hop scene and the graffiti scene all worked into one. Yeah, the fact that I could even go to a different town with a bunch of adults who made a living playing music and play, it didn't matter if it was for 10 people or 10,000. Right. Um, it, it, that, that made me think I was going to be, you know, Dave Grohl. I, 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 <laughs> right. So, but, uh, the, the lifestyle, the uh, drugs and alcohol caught up to me a lot more than, than the actual music did. And, yeah. uh, I was living on the East coast at the time I was just turning 20. And so I moved back to LA to get, to try and get clean. And when I got out of uh, rehab, I, um, I, got a job at uh, the radio station here, the rock radio station here, K-Rock, as a, like a straight gig, like a mm. just a, a way to pay the bills. They, they needed a guy to you know lift boxes and drive the DJs around and clean up and stuff like that, entry-level stuff. And um, I had a, a fitness background from high school. I mean, I, I nothing too formal. I just really like lifting weights, and I love playing sports and stuff like that. And so I, I got a friend of mine to get me into the NA, NASM and kind of hurry the process along to take my test. And so I got a job as a, as a personal trainer at a Gold's Gym in Pasadena just to, as a way to supplement my income because I was making, you know, minimum wage at K-Rock. And I, I, this was a great way that I could make my own schedule. I could, you know, probably really make some good income. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I, so that's how I got into it. And uh, it I turned out I was – not very good at like the kind of the, the bedside manner part of personal training, <laughs> but you know I, I enjoyed, enjoyed the it. club. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed it, and I and I, I got into it, and that's that was really how I, I got into like the, my formal uh, entry into. Well, what what kind of clients did you have there? Was it pretty broad? 
Yeah, it was. I, yeah. I actually, I mean, I had every, everything from, you know, uh, at the time, a uh, UFC fighter, Alberto Crane, would come and lift weights with me okay. and do strength and conditioning yeah. to, to, you know, girls who would have their full makeup on to come, <laughs> weight, you know. And, In L.A.? And, no. Yeah. And literally <laughs> say to me, like, like this is this is too hard. You know, this, I'm, I'm starting to break a sweat. And I'd be like, <laughs> if you don't want to train, I it like i'll i'm more than happy to take your money to just sit and chit chat with you yeah yeah no doubt yeah. No doubt. they came they came in to look cute they didn't come in to trade yeah and you know what i appreciated about it was that they were very open about that you know they, <laughs> they didn't have any uh, they weren't disingenuous about the fact that they wanted to just you know kill time and say that they went to the gym right right well it makes it easy for you right just put them on a treadmill and talk for 20 minutes yeah yeah and I, that, oftentimes that's what i do <laughs> now so you went so you were working at gold's gym you're a dj when did this whole process happen where you got on this pathway to link up with Dr. Drew? Um, I started working, like I said, I started working at K-Rock here in L.A., and, and it was just entry-level stuff. And then while I was doing that, I would write like parody songs, and I would prank call the morning show, and <laughs> I would do all these things to try to get like on the air. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and finally, they broke down in the, morning, the Kevin and Bean morning show, they, and they put me on the air. They started to use me in a very limited capacity, yeah. and that grew and grew and grew. And then I got a, a that became my job. I got a permanent job as a part of the morning show. And, and um, about uh, about I would say ten years into that, um, around 2010, um, they were looking for a new host for Loveline because Carolla Adam Carolla had gone on to do his own morning show. Right. Right. Um, and then and then build the the podcast empire that he has now. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, no. And so <laughs> when uh, when that happened, they I was in the mix of kind of uh, this this group of uh, guys that, that they were looking to be that co-host, and they ended up they ended up choosing me. So that was 2010, and I've been uh, hosting Loveline with Drew since then. All started from a prank call, folks. How about that? That's the opposite <laughs> word. So, you know, so for those of you out there just prank calling people, you know, don't stop. <laughs> hey man, here's, here it you is. Never know. <laughs> from pranks to banks, baby. That's what it's all about. <laughs> without without question, like all the stuff that I that I wasted time doing in high school when I should have been. Stu- I was a terrible student. Yeah, um, me too. I mean, really, like terrible student. Uh, F's and D's. And all the things that I I was doing when I should have been studying prank calls, yeah. drawing silly cartoons of, of wieners and 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 naked women and um and and making phony uh, like uh, making stupid voices and doing impersonations of people that all led to me having a career today without question like that you, that you, is you were putting in yeah you were putting yeah. in practice back then you know I, I think yeah. there's I think there's a lot to be said for what you're where we're going here because I think I think too many people feel that if if they don't see how they can monetize a passion, then it's a waste of time. And then, and it's one thing if you're in your 40s, but if, when you're in high school, and let's say you're really into music or you're really into art or you're really into something, and then you may, you might have a well-meaning person come along and say, well, look, it's time to get practical. Here. What, right. are you, what kind of career path are you going to take and so forth? I think that's really the wrong message to send to someone. It's like if you're really interested in something, just immerse yourself completely in that because you never know where that will take you. You know, So many of the things that I got into in high school were at the beginning of what I do now. Yeah, you, and, Some and of the biggest- I, you know, it's – I'm just became, I just became a parent, uh, you know, a year ago, and I can easily see, you know, I used to be that guy that said, you know, like, why, why are these parents so controlling? And you know, I can easily see how you fall into that trap of wanting to sure. just really, you know, just kind of control your children into doing what seems reasonable. But it, it's really, it's really difficult not to, you know, if if you're someone who's, I was incredibly lucky in that I almost, you know, you people can talk about how how it happened, but really it was by 
sheer luck that I was able to find an industry that, you know, patted me on the back for, for doing what I loved. And that was, you know, fooling around. I, I really enjoyed <laughs> and fooling around, yeah. but, but, you know, like having that taste of getting, you know, a, a career in something that I really love. Um, I, I, it would be so hard for me not to try to, to find that for my own child. But, you know, I yeah. can easily see how parents are like, you know, listen, get a business degree. I don't care what you, I don't care what you want to do. Get a business degree, get a, a law degree because you just want what's best for your kids. But right. I mean, honestly, being able to wake up in the morning and go, and you guys know this and, and, and apply yourself to something that you really love. There's no amount of money. Yeah. That's, that's what's best yeah. for everybody. Yeah. You know, I think the world would be a much better place if everyone pursued their passions. And I'm, I'm not delusional. I realize that in certain parts of the world, that's the least of your worries, right? You're <laughs> sure. thinking about how to feed yourself, <clears throat> but let's say in the context of a good chunk of America, a lot of people could have pursued what they wanted to do, but at some point just deviated on a path, usually because some well-meaning person or maybe a not-so-well-meaning person came along and said, come on, what are you doing here? Kettlebells? You're not going to make any money doing that. Right. Or, or, uh, or you, know, you, can't, you can't make your own supplements or, or whatever it is, You know, whatever someone's trying to do. There's always someone who comes along who's that naysayer. I think you also like – like you said, the, the the idea of these limitations being put on you, and yeah. a lot of times they're self-imposed. I mean, that's what really made mm. me uh, yes. uh, adhere to to fitness is not even like a, I didn't necessarily have like this deep desire to have six pack abs or or a five hundred pound deadlift. Right. It was it was some I had something quantifiable that I could place on myself, and it was like it was like an actual number of self-control and self-limitations that I can make break through and, and goals I can place for myself yeah. and see if I could really go beyond what I thought was possible. And, and that, that really transitioned over into, um, in my professional life where, you know, people would say things like, well, you know, you're a radio guy. You can't, you can't make your own TV <laughs> radio guy. You can't do A, B and C. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I was, I was known for, you know, lighting my farts on fire on, <laughs> on the radio. And the next thing I know, I was like, you know, filling in for Regis, you know, periodically. And it's like a lot of people would never have thought it certainly would outwardly say things like you will let that, that arena is not for you. And, and I think that you can really fall victim to having those limitations. No doubt. Know, I mean, hey, if you can light a good fart, who knows what you're doing? I mean, there's, that takes talent, there's no man. limit. <laughs> it takes timing. It takes talent. You can set your ass on fire if you don't time I've it right. That. In fact, one of my, the very first times I got a crack at doing real TV, I was filling in um, for Sal Masekela. No, no pun intended there. <laughs> uh, I, I was filling in for Sal Masekela on, um, yeah. on a show on E! News called The Daily Ten. It, used to, yeah. it was a follow-up to E! News. And they just talked – it was a news show but mostly about um, uh, celebrity stuff and the celebrity news. And um, they, uh, Sal was going away to do the World Cup at the time, and so they asked me to come in and and, and fill in. So I'm I'm going to be on E, and I'm you know telling all my friends and family, hey, you tune in tomorrow, you can see me on TV. And I show up to film, and um, and I'm I'm sitting all crooked in the seats, and they they say, uh, can, Mike, can you sit up straight? The producers over the like overhead microphone, the, the and the, they're like, I, I was like, guys, I really can't unless you get me like a pillow or, or like a donut or something. And like, what's wrong? I was like, well, you really want to know? I, I burned my asshole lighting parts on fire this Evo last night on Loveline. And I, I could can almost hear, even though, you know, I wasn't there to see it. I could hear the producers in the booth like, who have we hired? 
what kind of cretin have we hired? <laughs> I can see uh, sincere show notes right now. What happened to Mike? Oh, you know, he his ass you know what we're <laughs> typing away right now. Like, oh, that's going to be a good one right there. <laughs> yeah. I said sincere show notes. I mean, for people who don't know, sincere does all the show notes, and he does a great job. And I always crack up every time I read them, especially this week's episode with Thomas Inkleden, where we, we were talking about a, a well-known author. I won't give it away for people who haven't listened, but – in the show notes, and what happened with Thomas when he met the four the four hour asshole or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> but I guarantee that should I guarantee you that tweaked a lot of interest in people. Like, all right, what's this one about? Yeah, yeah. who are they talking about? What's it about? Let's further investigate the four hour asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of see where this is going. Hmm. <laughs> and, and now we have a theme with you, with you, Mike. Because <laughs> so, so, speaking of assholes, let's talk about, <laughs> about a guy who lit one on fire. <laughs> the LLA podcast will quickly get the theme of, of uh, perpetual asshole. Well, I mean, I think we're the first show to talk about bleached assholes. So, yeah, I mean, that's where it all started, right there. <laughs> I did it. I we're did we're it. a trap. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've done it, Mike. We're, now we're complete, Mike. We can we stop. Finally, doing we the finally show. found. Yeah, we, we finally, finally found someone. We can kill the show now. That we, now, now was circle. this a was, was this a prank, Mike? You went into yeah, a place. Yeah. Okay, I was I mean, about to say. Okay, I feel better like now. Prank. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like a prank as much as it was. It was yeah for on air content. I mean, we okay. um, it was like right in the mid two thousands, two thousand five ish when that became a thing. Like that was kind of hitting the streets that. Girls, especially who, in the who, industry. who started this? Is there an can this be traced back to an individual? You know, I think you know. I really do think it was was girls in the adult industry who yeah, where so, that yeah, yeah. that region was prominently displayed. One um, guy who's seen way too many a holes going. Well, you know what? I bet this would look a lot better if it were bleached. This some genius who realized that <laughs> the skin bleach you use for empatigo can be used for little cornhole. Oh man! So, hey, if you did this for Michael Jackson. Just imagine what you do for your asshole. <laughs> I, I have to. I have to say though, honestly, like I wouldn't do it again because I think it. You know, let's hope not. And, uh, and uh, it, it costs a good pretty penny i think to do it and then also <laughs> they have to they have to wax that area before they come to the beach, and that was brutal but when it when it was finally done and it like sunk in like I, it looked pretty awesome <laughs> how did how did you know how did you know it looked awesome <laughs> yeah, i did like a, i did like a like a hand they have, a, they have this special mirror in the office oh, like God. you want to see it <laughs> no i totally just did like a like a full-length mirror and i do like i was hiking a football but like go more deep and and you know look beneath my legs upside down <laughs> <laughs> Now was oh, it a woman? Was it a woman technician in here? Yes, what, what, what was the what was what was the process like? It was a woman. It was Thank a woman. You. Thank you. <laughs> like once once you um, once you got past the embarrassment of being on all fours and doing that, you just realize that this woman has probably seen way worse than than I'm displaying her. You know, I and I totally was neurotic. Like cleaned my my area like thirty times with baby wipes and washcloths. You know, before I got there, and so it was just kind of getting past that initial embarrassment. <laughs> you, you, then you just. You just pray it's over soon. Yeah, so now we know what women feel like when they go to, well, some women, when they go to the gynecologist now, that same anxiety. <laughs> but we'll go ahead and just, like, you know, just live through your experience, man. We'll take your word for it. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like, it's not something you need to go out and do. But I will say that when it's all done, it does kind of look sweet. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if there'd be any benefit for you doing it sincere. You know, bro? Yep, not at all. Not at all. You'll <laughs> have the reverse effect. Like, okay, that's a, the Oreo effect. All right, there we go. Now I'm going to go ahead and pass. Look, man. Looking like a zebra. 
<laughs> All right. I don't know how I don't yeah. know how we're gonna I don't know how we got into this topic. Now 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 we have to now figure out how to move transition away from that. <laughs> In fact, so let's, let's go. Let's about, go. Let's do this. Since we're talking about that area and things that come from that area, let's just talk about the bodybuilding stint that you had when you got into the bodybuilding <laughs> world. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, what led you to that, Mike? I mean, I know you, you know you went from being a personal trainer and all that, but you know, what got you interested into actually going into competitive bodybuilding? Like I, you know, it was more at the time. Um, it was around the time I was I was personal training, and and I was just I was really into lifting weights and 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 being big. And I I got you know I was young, so I would get big, and at the same time stay relatively lean, um, even without putting too much effort into it. And you know I had friends that were competitive at, at the MPC level, and they're like, you should do it, you should totally do it, blah blah blah. And they kind of you know swept me into the idea. And and I did it, and I gave it a shot, and I realized it was it was not even the lifestyle. It wasn't the posing trunks, you know, like a lot of people might think. It was just like the constant, the constant concern about your appearance. Yeah, yeah. made me feel weird. It really yeah, yeah. kind of. And I, and I was already dealing with um, body image issues as a whole, and I honestly think that that's what led me even into wanting to get like um, disproportionately big in, right. you know, in, in the first place was kind of a weird self-esteem thing that was correlated to my, to my image. Um, so, you know, it was, it got to be an unhealthy endeavor for me, uh, at a time when I was really concerned with my mental health, you know, just having gotten clean. Um, so I, 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 I just, you know, I, I gave it a shot, I did it and, and then I, I gave it up and just kind of transitioned more into being concerned about my overall health in a, in a, in a comprehensive way. And, and when people hear that, they think that I'm even saying something pejorative about bodybuilding and I'm not because yeah. a lot of this, you know, as you guys well know, I mean, a lot of the, the cutting edge science about nutrition and, and training comes from that world because there's no nobody more detailed or detail oriented than uh, bodybuilders. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. Now also, I, I like this. This whole body image thing is an interesting one because I think a lot more more men suffer from that than we realize. And sometimes sure. it's hard to believe that when you look around at most guys. You go to the pool in Vegas and you look around. <laughs> it doesn't look like anyone's worried about their body image. Guys have these guts taking over their their swim trunks and all that. But there is, but there is, there are quite a few people who get into training because they want to put on some size as a shield of armor to protect them from the world. And there's, there's a really good book. I think it was called Confessions of an Unlikely Bodybuilder, where he really got into this, where he felt like he was a really insecure guy. He felt like he was getting picked on. He just felt like no one noticed or respected him. And then right. if he got big, then people would have to pay attention to right. him. So it was a way of just shielding himself or shielding the world from his insecurities. Right. No, definitely. And I, I started to recognize the correlation between putting on muscle and – like why I started to use drugs in the first place. Right. And it was, it was something that I was really good at and it got me attention. Yeah. And it didn't matter yeah. how, by what means I got there, you know? And it, it, it got me, it got me into a group of people that I had something in common with and it, it, everywhere I went, it gave me attention and that's not why you should do it. You know, that that's without question, not, there's certainly some latent benefit to both. Um, but it was not. It was not. My motives to do it were not healthy. They really right. weren't. Seems right. like and, a similar. In certain aspects, for some people, you know, it's almost as if you trade one addiction for another. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. Why are you trying to? Why are you trying to move out of that world? It's just kind of like you kind of just kind of take you know tone it down and weaning yourself off from that one addiction. Like okay, let me take it down a couple notches. Whereas I'm not going hardcore with you know drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever else. But let me focus a little bit more on me. 
where it's like, okay, yeah, I'm addicted to doing this, but somewhere there's a little switch in your head that says that, but at least I'm taking care of myself this time. It's not like I'm actually sticking a needle in my vein or doing, you know, a line or something like that. At least I'm actually doing something that perceives to be healthy. It's right. perceived Without to question. be, like, again, it's perceived to be healthy until you really get into that world and you realize, whoa, no, it's not. It's and, just, and, you know, guys, guys yeah. that I talk to that are, that are definitely more down to earth and at least more, I think have a more realistic Listic. view of what they do that, that are my friends that are, you know, uh, I know at Gold's Gym in Venice that are IFBB pros. They, they, they have that same take on using a thousand milligrams a day of testosterone, you yeah, know, where right, it's like, right. they don't, they don't kind of recognize that even though they're, if you trace it back long enough, it's kind of something healthy, you know, it's not, they, they, they have this weird way of justifying that, well, it's yeah. not heroin and it's not something poisonous to my system. But when you're using it at that rate, it's clearly yeah. and, and, and it, uh, it's an addiction that's excessive and damaging. And, yeah. you know, it's hard to it's really hard. I think once you get that far down where you're where you're 260 and shredded, it's really hard to not say, well, I'm doing something that's good for me, you know, but no, that's no, totally right. not something that's good for you. <laughs> you know, well, that's why we see a lot of fitness competitors, fitness women who look great in magazines from our standards. What we think looks great. They're healthy. Their skin's glowing and all that. And then you get to know a few of these women and a lot of them have food. Dis- I'm not saying all, oh, but some have food disorders. They've got sure. they've got major body image issues. You've got hormone issues going on. I mean, they've, Absolutely. they haven't had a Seriously period in two treatment. months or three months. Yeah. It's like, that's not yeah. normal if you're yeah. if you're 25 years old and you're missing your period three months straight. That's not normal. Right. right. <laughs> and I, I was I was shocked to now that I've had a little taste of because, you know, in 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 the entertainment industry, radio is not really like looked at as part of the entertainment industry. But then when <laughs> right. I married, when I married my wife, who's an actress and has a, a real career, she's not like a waitress that, you know, says she's an actress. Um, <laughs> she's actually on you know, real got, TV. You know. I got to meet people in the industry and like people of bearing, you know, levels of fame. And I was really shocked to see how much a part of Hollywood, like clembuterol and growth hormone. And oh, stuff. No oh doubt. yeah, man. I mean, they, they have, so, you know, it's so, it's such a prejudice industry where you have to be yeah. a certain size you know it, what's funny to me is like even with jennifer lawrence she's always talking about you know women like it's hard for women like her who are shaped like her to get a job in hollywood and i'm looking at it, i'm like what are you talking about you know exactly. so even in her mind it's hollywood tends to mess with your head so much that in her mind she thinks that she's curvy and, and slightly overweight and it would yeah. be hard for her to get a gig i'm like jennifer sweetie you you don't you have no idea you're not anywhere near that okay but yeah. again it starts to mess with your head so much that you start thinking that or you're probably took one asshole director who's really not even a director has any movies out to tell her why he's trying to get on a casting couch and said well you know what you're never making this industry anyway you're, you're too fat because she probably yeah. wouldn't sleep with him and you know that probably just stuck with her all these years and, and well, her mind, I, she thinks she's it's also it's also that town hollywood is like that whether yeah. you're in the industry or not just yeah. la in general a lot of women <laughs> who've moved to la who thought they looked great coming from wherever they came yeah. from they go to la and they're like oh wow you know, I'm, I'm no longer special in this town. Or I got a certain amount Scott of years Johnson. left. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like exactly. I'm, almost, I'm almost at my peak, but she's 27. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what are you yeah. talking about? She's like, yeah, I'm too old for this industry now. You're like, if you're not if you're not 16 and the hot little starlight fresh off Nickelodeon, you can't make it in this town. I'm like, okay, what kind of pedophile infested place is this? <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the, the sex symbols really are all shocked. underage. Come on. Yeah, I was really shocked <laughs> to find that out, too, is that my, you know, my wife, when I met her um, all the way through the time that we got married, um, she was on a show called Rules of Engagement yeah. on CBS for for a long time, and oh, yeah. then about a year into um, uh, the time that we had been married, she uh, that that show ended. It, it ran its course. It had a hundred and some episodes, right. really long, you know, healthy stay, and then oh. she had to go out and and find new work. And so I I had never experienced 
pilot season, watching my wife go out to uh, audition after audition. And, to, and I honestly thought it was kind of a stereotypical view of Hollywood that people were callous and the casting couch and things like that. Oh, no, it's it was it was real. I know and I don't want to talk too much about my wife's, you know, probably personal or private things. But sure. I mean, she would definitely come home daily uh, crying. Um, telling me about what, you know, before she even got a chance to read the lines, a guy would be like, too old, get out, wow. too big, you know, and, and, um, and women too, women casting directors. Like, and oh, and no, this is bro, someone yeah. who was already on a hit show, exactly. too. Right. So, so man, made, what is it? What is this say for someone who's never been on a hit show? I mean, it must I, be yeah, I can't totally even imagine a girl just yeah. getting off the bus from Kansas or whatever that wants to be an actress. Yeah. I mean, you can only imagine what they say to her. Um, it's a, it's a totally good point. And, um, so it, it's a, it's definitely a, a strange thing, much like bodybuilding. I thought where yeah. your commodity, your your service that you provide is yourself. Yeah. Um, that's very it, you get into really weird territory where you start to um, you start to wonder what you your place is, and and you start to value your appearance in a way that I don't know if it is all that healthy. You know, no doubt. Right, right. No, I, th- I also I mean we're we're all very <clears throat> vulnerable to just pupils perceptions right or, or or how people make us feel and here's where i'm going let's say i'm walking down the street and then 20 random people one at a time just come up to me and go man you look you look you look terrible today what's wrong did you not sleep yeah. last night and i could be perfectly fine but enough people tell me that you're gonna start thinking man there must be something wrong with yeah, me start questioning you know? yourself. You, all these people keep coming up to me yeah. you walk into the mcdonald's bathroom look in the mirror like am i and you start you start <laughs> seeing things are not even there like maybe are those bags under my eyes i don't know maybe and then with sleep <laughs> with twitter and things like that then oh. it gets even Gosh, yes. And you're starting to get really into the uh, a dangerous territory, you know. And it and it's 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 one level for guys like us three. But then when I what I watch what like Dr. Drew goes through on Twitter, it's mm. I mean I can't even understand how people deal with that level of of criticism and stuff, you know. And I mean I I know for sure that I went through it on a much milder level when I started to like I said kind of transition into the away from you know the the, the overwhelming muscularity into just a more kind of healthy lifestyle. Yeah. I'd get tweets and emails every day, dude. Looking really small, man. What happened to your muscles, man? What? <laughs> get on a cycle. You're shrinking. So, even though I was trying to do my best, you know, I'm starting to to incorporate swimming and maybe try a triathlon. You know, it gets in your head, and certainly my male ego starts to go like, "Oh man, that guy says I look small day in and day out." It's a, it, it's just such a never ending cycle of your own ego getting in the way of of what you should probably do. Right. Yeah. I wonder how are you? How would you? Just shelter yourself from that. So, for example, someone like Dr. Drew, how does he shelter himself from all of this negative criticism? Yeah. Because, yeah, that, because that can that can really make you psychotic if you let your, if you let it in too much. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I you can't really completely shelter yourself from it unless you just get off social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Which is it, not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you think about more, it. more than once, I've thought about shutting down social media. I looked at how little traffic I get from social media to my website. Most of it is just Google searches and people right. finding my articles and getting to my website. It's like, why am I even wasting my time on Facebook or Twitter or any of these mediums? CNN, you know, who, who pays uh, Dr. Drew to do his HLN show, the parent company, mm-hmm. like they they have to have they, they make it mandatory that he has a okay. Twitter account. Yeah. Sure, um, sure. But if it wasn't for that, I, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have one. And I and I was telling my high school age niece just yesterday, I was like, unless you're getting a paycheck to tour the country and be, you know, a comedian or a band or you're you know, you're really pushing your own, you know, you're, you have an upstart company that you really need PR. 
Sure. You don't see the need. It's only you're only going to dig yourself a hole of of you know criticism and stuff because people, especially people who are anonymous, can get so mean and so brutal that I don't know if it's really really worth it. Now that being said, I have to you know I have to crow a little bit in that ninety nine percent. I'm so lucky in that ninety nine percent of the stuff that I see through social media towards me is so uh, supportive and help healthy for me, and I I just can't. I can't express my level of gratitude to all the people who always reach out. Oh, the show was great last night. Or, right, right, I, right. I've right. been so two years, and, and it really helped to listen to you on the. So that kind of stuff makes it all worth it. But if you're a guy sure. like Dr. Drew, I just don't know if you can shelter yourself. And I, he'll, he'll be the first to admit it hurts. It hurts his feelings. He's not a robot, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, and I, think, I, I, I think that's why people when, like saying stuff like that, though, because they know on some level, oh, I bet he's going to see this and this will ruin his day. Or they think it maybe if it will, that that somehow empowers them because they've got some serious issues. But you yeah, know, that's what they ruin their day is just, you know, yeah, we're all human. So when we see this uh, criticism or whatever, you know, a lot of times just ignore it. And that's how you pretty much ruin their day by not feeding the animals. It's just like, OK, yeah. since you're going to be anonymous, you know, anonymous, I'm going to act like I didn't even see you. See, that's the right. That's, yeah, I, see, that's, I, the, I that's to, the, yeah, go ahead. I had to learn that the hard way. You know, yeah. I definitely had plenty of like nonsensical inter- exchanges with guys on Twitter, random people on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And before I learned that this that's a real hole. trap. Yeah, this is a losing black game. hole. It's a total black hole. man. Like, <laughs> exactly. I, I think I, I, I have this Twitter post I put up. I, I put it up fairly often where I basically say, you know, you're never going to win the battle with these these heckler type people. They're basically the equivalent of hecklers you would deal with at a comedy show. Right. It's, sure. it's that it's that kind of person because they don't mind wasting their time. So, I mean, if you value your time, you're already going to lose because at some point you're going to realize, man, I'm wasting my time. That person doesn't care. They're wasting their whole day doing this kind of stuff. It kind of makes me laugh when I listen to a lot of music and I love checking out new bands. So I'm on YouTube all the time just researching stuff just for fun. And sometimes I look at the comment section and and people will be like, these guys suck. It's like, well, why can't you just move on to another clip exactly. instead of saying that? You know, I, I mean, I've listened to music which I don't like on there, but I don't make a point of going on there and and saying this stuff sucks. You know, I, because I, who I, cares? Well, but that's just exactly. my opinion. I go the stuff I do like. I'm going to focus on praising that, sharing it, etc. I totally, I couldn't agree more. I, I never understood the motives of people even taking the time to 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 make that negative comment. It's like, <laughs> yeah. what? what? <laughs> I, you know, you know, like I, I'm fortunate enough to have a busy day, but I guess maybe they just don't because I don't understand. <laughs> the sitting in their mom's basement, like I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to, yeah, you my suck. Daughter, you suck. <laughs> my daughter wants to say hi over oh, there. Hey, hey, hello, hello, little girl. Hi. Hey, cutie. <laughs> what, what's her name? That's Magnolia. 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 Hey, that's a cool name. Awesome. Say hi, Mike and Sincere. Hey, hi. Magnolia. Hi, hey, Magnolia. <laughs> <laughs> that's a cute girl. Cool name. Bye, bye, honey. Bye bye. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, you can watch. You can sit and watch. We're, just talk, yeah. we're gonna talk buttholes. <laughs> That's been our comedy. Yeah, she's gonna be repeating that all day now. Yeah, exactly. Bleached. <laughs> she she um tries to say socks. That's her, like that's one of the. She's only one. So she's only. She has like like four words that she's nailed down, mm-hmm. and um and socks is she, she you know when I put them on in the morning we go for a walk I'll be like, can I put on your sock and she say cock cock, cock. <laughs> oh, no <laughs> she, there she goes and she eats it all day long and I'm like this is my payback this is my payback all those phony phone calls all those pranks yeah now Karma. my daughter is addicted to saying cock. <laughs>
Yeah, you know, but all, but all this, uh, and, and I mean, to be fair, my my experience with social media on that front, in terms of the reception I get, is very positive as well. And, and then negative people, I just delete and block them. I don't engage yeah, them. I'm over I, it, I, man. I used to do that in the past. I'd get into these arguments where I'm going to show this person. Then I'm like, what? Am, my friend Dale Hart, right, is a former UFC fighter. He goes, why are you even responding to anyone? He goes, you made the first mistake you made was even engaging any of these people. You know, what do you think you're going to get out of it? Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, even if you somehow convince them that you're right and they're wrong, so what? And even on the flip side of that, what I noticed, started, really? even I noticed on the social media is like, um, even beyond the haters, also people just have these senseless debates. You know, yeah. first of all, here's yeah. the thing, you know, especially when we get all the stuff that goes on, whether it's politics, religion, if this is the latest thing where a cop's done this or that, you always right. have everybody who has their view, but then you have somebody trying to convince them to change their mind. I'm like, dude, <laughs> they made up their mind when they said, well, yeah, exactly. it really wasn't that bad. Well, oh, you're stupid. How can you say that? But well, they just said that because they have an opinion. And that's the thing about it. And the thing is, and, and even, even more trite, even more trite debates such as, <laughs> Well, why should I do kettlebell swings outside the feet? I can do oh. them in between the feet. That's more <laughs> oh, yeah, beneficial, that's isn't it? And then everyone has their input. They're, no, I like it outside the feet. Well, I like it inside the feet. What you're doing is wrong. Well, <laughs> why, why should I do deadlifts with a barbell when I can just lift a 106-pound kettlebell? You know, it's still, it's still <laughs> a deadlift, right? Like, who? I just do it with my pinky to make it harder. I'm you just know? like, well, you, you just came just... up. You, you guys nailed down the, 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 the biggest problem, I think, with modern discourse among, <laughs> among Americans in particular is mm-hmm. that you know, I, I've had the luxury of now hosting two radio shows. I, I host another radio show during the day, which I'm about to go do today. Yeah. That's an AM talk show, which is much yeah. more political and yeah. current, kind of current event based stuff. Uh-huh. And I found that, you know, with with everything from, uh, like you said, kettlebell swings to ISIS, mm-hmm. no one can can really acknowledge the subtleties of like the human behavior. It's always throwing out the baby with the bathwater. It's yeah, like, exactly. I'm not going to do kettlebell swings because I only do deadlifts. They're better. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you know, you can do both. You know, it's like, it, you can even do both in the same workout. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> and it's like, it. well, there is a, there is a, there is an alarming rate of, of police involved shootings uh, going on right now. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we have to take guns away from all cops. Yeah, right. And, exactly. and that's you know people cannot they they this cannot all or nothing situation. Right. Like well everybody. Well, I mean be, when you look at the must pers- be bad. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like exactly. oh you know all Muslims must be bad. I'm like oh God really? Yeah. Just gonna blanket look, everything. If you, if you look at the percentage of overall cops that fall into this category, it's a very small, small percent. percentage. I'm basically bad. basically nothing. But you, and the, the problem is the media never praises police when they're doing a great job, which is what they're doing most of the time. Is that when they're doing a bad, and I'm not saying that they, this, this shouldn't be newsworthy. It should. When police out, act out of line, it should be newsworthy. But how about all the times they do a great job? A great Why is that right. Well, nobody wants to hear that, you know. <laughs> yeah. you know no, or, exactly. you know, one thing about the media and one thing about just that entire industry, you know, just coming from broadcasting, stories like that, all those feel-good stories were always saved for the last, at the end of a news podcast. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, the, yeah. it was in the last minute of the show, but they've spent – 29, actually like 23 minutes with just negative, 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 other than the weather. <laughs> you know, that's the only thing about it. So, yeah. And because the they're like, well, people don't care about this. You know, it's the negative the that sells. Lives, yeah. The media lives in, in hyperbole. The media yeah. lives on the fringes. And, and that, that goes into the fitness industry mm-hmm. so well because you can't sell muscle and fitness magazine. You can't sell, um, flex magazine with, all right, put two years of your life away and <laughs> right. eat, uh, eat a consistent diet of, of balanced macronutrients. And yeah. train hard in a progressive overload fashion, and you'll get where you want. You need to say 28 days to shredded abs. You know, there's <laughs> everything no has to be, everything has to be a number. 
You know, that's the right. thing about it. Now, 20, 28, so that during the shortest month of the year, you can still get your, your goals. <laughs> right. in. So February. Don't save everything for February, man. Okay. <laughs> Except Patience. leap year. That one extra day messes me up every four years, man. <laughs> Patience and consistency and watching your macronutrients and training hard. That doesn't sell magazines. No, that doesn't just sell. Like, First of all, it can't be that simple, Mike. Are you serious? Right. It can't be that easy. Right. And, and just like, you know, policeman uh, works very hard for 25 years, retires a great Samaritan, goes home to his family. That doesn't sell newscasts, you right, know? Right, right, but right. But it, it's, it's, you know, the tire rip. I mean, and I, you look, I get it. I, the, you're, everyone's in this rat race to get attention and get ratings. Um, that's just part of the deal. And, and the same thing carries over to the fitness industry. It's like, right. Okay, uh, intermittent fasting, that's the big thing. So what can we take away from that? Well, maybe you should spread your meals out a little bit more. It doesn't mean you have to starve yourself for 20 hours. Right. Um, you know, right. like there's, there's always something in the middle ground that, that gives you this yeah. level yeah. of yeah. success, but right. no one wants to. It's not exciting. That. Yeah, and the yeah, thing so, is, you know, three meals a day with, yeah, three meals a day with six hours. You know, you start yeah. naming it all these different things. Like, yeah, you know what? You call it intermittent fasting, but you know, other people in other parts of the world call this everyday life because yeah. they don't have, <laughs> ac- they don't have yeah. as much access to food like you do. You know, so yeah. they, that's Western privilege yeah. that I hear. And if not, they, not and if they did, they wouldn't, they wouldn't deny themselves, you know, for eight hours where they have access to food. Like someone in Kenya, if someone offers him a nice breakfast, he's not going to say, well, you know, normally, I don't eat ugali until you know until the sun goes down. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm gonna hold off. Now they're gonna be like, "Cool, man, thanks." Yeah, you know? Exactly, man. So. Like people talk about, "Oh, this is the, the this is what the Romans did." I was like, "Well, they were probably in the field and didn't have access to food, so that's why yeah. they did it. They didn't do it because they had access to food and then denied themselves for and some don't reason." Tell, and don't talk to me about this is what the Romans did. Like, have you seen me lately? Have you been to Rome? Yeah, well, also, we, we also, match. also, you know, who, like, ca- you know, like, who cares, cares what a, the Romans did? Yeah, who gives a fuck what the Romans hey, Rome, did? I mean, Rome we, also we don't fell. Know you know, they also lost so, their entire exactly. empire, too. Like, I'm not trying to do that either. I don't want to be a part of that as well. Come on. Well, man. I mean, the average guy back then was 5'6", like 150 pounds. I don't care what he did. No. Let's talk about what we can do now. We have more information now than ever before. So why do we have to go back to some ancient time? To look for pearls of wisdom on how to train and eat properly, you know. Yeah. Well, there's nothing more nonsensical to me than this is what they did in this generation because yeah. <laughs> I go, yeah. Well, you know, the <laughs> the Romans had vomitoriums. The Romans yeah, yeah, slaughtered yeah. people. The Romans had, you know, Caligula used to bang chicks in front uh, of their husbands. And or, then or, on top of that, have the women shave their heads so they look like little boys in order to be attracted to them. I'm good on that. I'm not trying to do that, man. That's just not that's not <laughs> what I choose to do. So I'm good. Exactly. <laughs> and I most mean, of them had a lifespan. They usually live to be about 25, 30 years old. Dude, I turned 43 today. I'm good. Rome, keep that. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to keep moving, man. <laughs> I, I, we've never been healthier for longer durations of time, and we've never had more advancements in science and more knowledge about what we're doing. And people are always like, well, my grandfather didn't do this and this. And I go, well, your grandfather had spina bifida at 70. You yeah, know, my exactly. Dad, exactly. My dad's not exactly the picture of health, and he's 70, and he's like a normal dude now. You know, even just 20 years ago, if you told me, oh, this per- this human being is 73 years old, I'm imagining a guy with a walker. Exactly, and, yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. A year old is just like the dude in front of you at the supermarket. Yeah, it's like a 90-year-old normal- woman well, running a marathon for the first time in her life right. a couple of weeks ago. Right. But you could have told me that like 20, 30 years ago. I'm like, that woman's going to die. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> there are far better ways to choose suicide than to do that. I mean, come on. So, yeah, man, that, 
Yeah, when we used to watch TV, let's say in the 80s growing up, right, you watch a show like Matt Houston or whatever was on. <laughs> you know, that Matt Houston, his, his uncle was on there, right? I think the guy was probably 60. Was he it Ernest like Bergner? Yeah, 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 I think so. He looked like he was 82 or something. Ernest Bergner yeah, looked I mean, like he's been 82 for like, he was he's like Morgan <laughs> yeah. Freeman. Morgan Freeman has yeah, yeah, always yeah, been yeah. old. Ever since Electric right. Company, he looked that old. Okay. <laughs> so, so now you got to wonder what his sign's doing for those guys. Like, wait a minute, Morgan Freeman looks good for his age. You know, he's been looking that age for 40 years now. So, well, so now, now you have someone, now you have someone like Stallone who's 70 and oh, jacked. I mean, he's no. on it. He's on anabolics, but who cares? Who cares? Except, he's, I, he's, I, I always like, I always hate when people try to take that away from yeah, him. like, he's, well, he's on, he's, he's on growth hormone. Okay. So you're trying 70, to, you're, you're trying to tell me if you got on growth hormone, you would duplicate the results. He still has to work hard. Exactly. You know, growth hormone's exactly. not magic. You can't just take growth hormone and do nothing and get shredded. You're no not going to get any benefit from it. Yeah. I sit somewhat near him at the Laker games and mm-hmm. you have no idea how, how unbelievably lean and dense he is. And, and you're like, you guys are totally right. You go, well, people go, oh, he's on GH, he does this, that. I go, that's the guys it's designed for. He's 60 <laughs> and wants to be in great de- – like it's the, it's not designed for someone my age who wants to just step it step it up a little bit. Right. He, his body has actually given up making an adequate amount. So it's right. time to, to, to go hard in the paint, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, and if it makes you feel good, if it makes you look good and you're using it sensibly, what's wrong? Yeah. You know, what's wrong with it? Nothing. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, sometimes I get these people who email me and they go, you know, I'm 70 and I don't, I don't want to take TRT because it'll shut down my natural production. And I go, I got to be honest with you. You probably don't have much. Yeah. Your, you may. You know, we don't know until unless you have some numbers done. You know, my dad's in his 70s. He has pretty good T levels and so forth. He doesn't take you – know, he takes my T booster, but he doesn't take TRT or anything. But, you know, most guys in their 60s, 70s, there's going to be a big decline in hormone balance. And it's not the worst thing in the world to go get checked out and consider that path. With a qualified physician, it's, it's, it works very well when done properly. I also think exactly. that even guys who are, are young enough to, to really make great gains and have a great physique or, or a great performance, they oftentimes fall victim to placing those self-imposed limitations. Well, they say, I can't have that unless I do TRT, unless I do you know anabolics, unless I do A, B, and C. And I really think that so much more is available to you if you really just – convince yourself you can do and and give and you know just like you said at the beginning of this podcast you guys pull pull your your heads out of your collective asses and just (laughs) tell yourself i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go for these quick these quick kind of solutions and really put my mind on making this this momentous transformation and if that means i gotta push myself harder than i ever thought i could if i have to lift more weight and 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 adhere to a diet longer than i ever thought i could so be it but you yeah. can't do it i mean you really i think people would be shocked to find out what you can achieve through just believing in yourself and and putting your nose to the grind you know yeah the optimal but there's so much good information on optimal training how to optimize your nutrition your restoration and also What's wrong with putting in several years to achieve something right. meaningful? That's the yeah, other exactly. thing is that we're such an impatient society. I mean, if nah, if someone came to me and said, "Look, Mike, you can you can achieve these goals. It's going to take about three years," that wouldn't discourage me at all. I would say, "Okay, three years. That's perfectly reasonable. I enjoyed the process, so I don't mind putting in that three years or longer." You know, when I when I first started my business and then I started having success, started having some pretty serious success around year four. You know, a lot of people started coming to me for advice, and their goals were often just ridiculous. Their expectations were so high for what's, what they wanted to achieve in the first year. They go, I want to make six figures this year. I go, your only goal in your first year, whatever the business is, is to stay in business. 
Yeah. You, know? right. you want to you because most businesses go out of business in the first year because they make a lot of bad moves. So if you're actually still in business after your year, you're doing great. You know, second year you can start thinking about okay, how do I get profitable? And then third year, you know, how do I get a good income? But you have to have this long run process. And if you enjoy the process, this goes back to what you what we said in the beginning, where if you actually are picking a path that you actually enjoy, it's gonna be you you don't mind putting in the long stretch. You know, I wasn't worried about making a lot of money when I first started. I was just so happy to be doing something that I was passionate about. I could care less how much I was making. And then the I knew the money would come because I was so passionate about this. I every day I got up excited about building my business, about learning more to build my business, and I still do. That's that's when you know you've picked the right career path. Yeah, yeah and, and those like, years go by, and those years go by quickly when you when you have that attitude about it. Two and three years are like, well, damn. You look up and things are starting to pick up. You're in the black, and you're like, oh wow, finally, you know, start to make a profit. And you look up like, oh wow, man, I can't believe like four years has gone by that quickly. It's like I seem like I just started doing this and started going down this path like yesterday. And that's the thing about it. Whereas if you sit there and you're just doing what's practical, like we were talking about earlier, and just doing what's f- supposedly, you know, the right thing to do, like have something to fall back on. Every day you wake up, it seems like, oh, God, like when will the pain stop? You're when, just you know, tired all the time. <laughs> this is like when I've, I, when I've done jobs I didn't like. I was just oh, tired man. all the time. Yeah. yeah. And it just seems like, you know, exactly. wow, I've only been in this company for a year, but it feels like I've been here for 10 years. That's, that's not a good look. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? I have very, I have very, very financially successful friends who are miserable. Yeah. I mean, oh, I have lots of them. <laughs> you know, really, really wealthy guys that are in, you know, have run head funds or whatever it may be. And they, they're, they're miserable. You know, yeah. they, they work 80 hours a week and, and they, they, you know, divorces rampant and, they, but, and listen, they got seven figures. They got a beautiful home in, in Brentwood and they're, they're 30 and you, you go, wow, that's amazing. But they're, I mean, their quality of life is so, so low. Right. And mm-hmm. I, I remember when I was making, you know, $19,000 a year working three jobs in my early twenties. And I was, I, you know, looking back on it now, I was on top of the world. I got a chance to, to go to red carpets and I crashed parties and, and I would get audio and, and bring it into Kevin and Bean. And I'd be so happy. I was like, oh man, I got this, I got this interview of, you know, Vince Vaughn calling me an a-hole or whatever it was. And it, was <laughs> it was stupid. And, but at the same time, like I was doing something that was, I, I loved so much. And I, I was, I mean, I was on cloud nine and I, you know, I had to eat, uh, you know, canned tuna and, and macaroni <laughs> Nine yeah, out of ten, but ramen noodles like the signature food for oh anyone gosh, who's up and coming, right? <laughs> ramen noodles need to just go to college campuses and just start sponsoring students, man. Just like like, that, it's like the poor, the poor man's post workout exactly. meal. Yeah, NCAA sponsored by ramen. All that sodium makes you way more, so you're stronger in the gym too. There you go. You don't need Gatorade, man. You get all your soft ramen noodles, man. Your post workout meal. Powerlifters like to take ramen noodles a couple hours before an event because they hold more body weight, right? Heavyweight guys. And then you, you're, you're naturally stronger, especially on bench press and squat. But anyway, that's another segue. I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, 40,000 milligrams of sodium probably helps your joints out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. It's not definitely not healthy in the long run. That's for sure. You want to, that's why you want to become successful is so you don't have to keep living, living off those ramen noodles. It's another extra incentive. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny you brought that up. I was, I've been doing a lot of conver- having a lot of conversations about that. Like, especially now with like the, the growth of, of, fitness as a sport you know with crossfit and things yeah, like yeah, that yeah, right, yeah. Or, or even just like the spartan runs and stuff like where yeah. where seemingly like average dude like a guy like myself can go and do something really demanding physically uh, and that's happening more and more often right i i think people are losing they're they're blurring the lines between performance and health you know like is yeah. is drinking your like 
10,000 calorie shake with, you know, 10,000 carbs, you know, to fuel your five hour, you know, enduro run. Is it going to help your performance? Maybe. Is it healthy? By no means, you know, and, 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 uh, diuretics and whatnot to get ready for a bodybuilding show. Is it, you know, what, whatever gives you that advantage in, in performance, a lot of times, not at all very good for you. Yeah. And people are losing sight of that more and more mm-hmm. nowadays where they're doing high rep snatches with heavy weights to get into the CrossFit regionals and stuff. I'm like, I don't know, man. You I'm may, saying. you know, like good on you. I'm I'm impressed that you have that level of drive and determination and yeah. you're cutting weight for your jujitsu competition and stuff, but I don't I don't think that's a good idea. Well, you have, to, run, you have you know? to think about where how are you gonna feel in a couple of years, is what yeah, I always exactly. think too. Because maybe Steve Maxwell made a good point with last time he was on the show talking about how you, you shouldn't need a foam roller after most workouts or have to go through all these restorative practices because the workout shouldn't be that hard where it beats you up to that degree. And right. to, to some extent, I agree with them. I mean, to some extent, I disagree, too, because if you want to get really strong, you're going to have to push your limits. You know, if I do really heavy deadlifts, you know, my body's going to be somewhat beat up and, and getting a massage or foam roller, all those things are useful. But, you know, you have to balance the equation because if you have right. too many of those adrenaline based workouts, it's going to become something that just dissipates your energy where you're now you're tired all the time from your workouts. It's like, yeah. And it, as opposed to balancing the equation where your workouts are adding to the quality of your life. And I think the point well, is think, when I you look at that, Mike, it's like, you know, coming from where you are right now and where Steve is right now, you know, it's kind of what you're doing now can help you get into that position to where Steve is, where you can make that sure. comment that he made. Because yeah. most of these folks, the way they're training, they're not going to get to be Steve's age and, <laughs> and make that comment. They're going to be right, the guys right. that walk around the gym all beat, you know, beat up and they're wobbling side to side. Their joints are all jacked up. Talking about what they used to be able to do. What they used to do. <laughs> and yeah, and how, to my, yeah, I used to power lift. Yeah, I used to do snatches. But I, I, I'd never do that again. Well, obviously, look at you. There's just It's not, it's <laughs> yeah. not like you had a choice. Okay, Your body's checked you out see that, doing that. You see that a lot in, in the world of combat sports, too, yeah. where I, you know, I know my, my crew uh, in, in Muay Thai is is you know he's a legend and he's a he, he would he could wreck you know us three in, in no time but he yeah. can hardly walk now yeah. and it's like well was the was the and i'm not even sure it was from his competitive fights it might have been just the years and years of training in thailand and blast yeah. oh yeah. yeah man you know and so it's like <laughs> is that training in the long run going to help or harm and and you and with a guy like steve maxwell i think that the i the notion of not needing a foam roller after every workout is probably a good thing because he wants to be tip top shape so that he can go and roll on the mats at age. Absolutely. But if you're a guy that really wants to push the limits of, of your deadlift or your, or your Olympic lifts, you know, you're probably going to have to go into that territory every once in a while, you know? Right. Yeah, it's all about finding the balance. Like like right. Sincere said, at, at Steve's age, he's not thinking that way anymore, and that's fine. You know, he's 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 like, hey, I've already done all that. I went through all the years of heavy weight training. Now I just want to feel good. I want to be energetic. I want to look good. And he's a great inspiration for all of that. But also, like Sincere said, he wouldn't have gotten to that point if he didn't take care of himself when he was right. younger. He didn't beat himself up for fifty years and all of a sudden turn it around. So on one hand, when I when I see these guys who've been beating themselves up and then they look at Maxwell as an inspiration, they have to realize that Maxwell's been taking care of himself his whole life. You know, right. he's, he's this whole fitness thing has been something that he's been into since he was a kid. It's not something he started when he was fifty. Doesn't mean that you yeah. can't turn it around to some degree, but don't expect his results without keeping that in mind. Right. That's another thing I'm sure you guys deal with with clients and people who email you a lot is like they want to follow your training protocol right. you know they want to be able to have to be able to to double hand dead or double hand kettlebell swing um what you guys are doing and they've been training for a year and you go you know i've been i've been lifting heavy weights consistently for 
20, yeah, you know, you yeah. can't expect to, to all of a sudden fall. I, I was reading a good article on Jim Jones' website about how um, cyclists get – they fall victim to being you know, uh, a regular guy 300 days of the year, and then they want to follow Lance Armstrong's 1997 peaking program to go into the trance. <laughs> and it's like, no, you, no. you got to – there's 20 years of high elite-level performance going into that three months. You can't – you know. People have no idea, yeah. you know, like professional athletes. You have no idea. You're kicking back on the couch watching the UFC, and you're, they're making it look somewhat easy. And you think, you know, maybe I could do that. You have, you have no idea. Some I mean, just, of these guys just have been watching. Doing it since they people. were like three and four years yeah, old exactly. when they were in judo and taekwondo and all these other classes. So they've been putting in the hours and the minutes and the days, man, since they were like fresh out of diapers. Some of them. No, so. just just go watch. Go watch people spar and grapple at a gym, right? And oh, look yeah. how fast and powerful it is. You don't get that when you're watching it on TV. Everything is slowed down, right? It's just the nature of the medium. But when you see people competing live, or even just in training practice live, <laughs> that, that that's going to set you straight. Yeah, you're most gonna of those sessions are way harder than what you you know than yeah. the actual competition itself. You know, yeah. about it. You, see, you, you just that sound when someone gets minutes. slammed. Yeah, you hear yeah, someone that's, get that's slammed. What I think about it. grappling sports, especially in Southern California, where it's kind of the the American hotbed, mm-hmm. is that you know I'll I'll get, I'm terrible. I'm a I'm a I'm barely a serviceable blue belt. But I've <laughs> I've rolled with Nick Diaz. You know I've rolled with I roll with Crone Gracie a lot. And so you get you know the Hicks and Gracie. Uh, you know will come down to Crone's uh, Academy. So I mean my point being is that. You like not only can you go down and watch some guys training at an elite level, go feel what it feels like to have a guy who has the the hand strength, the grip strength of a, a gorilla yeah. twist you into a knot. And I guarantee you won't be sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings on, <laughs> on a Saturday night going, get up, pussy. What's wrong with you? I always, I always oh, laugh that at you. I always <laughs> laugh when people think they – they can give advice. Like we're like we're gonna have Matt Brown on the show soon, and I, I can't wait to ask him if he's, if he's ever just walking around his hometown and just random people are like, "Hey man, you know I saw your last fight, and yes. you know there's a couple of things I wanted to tell you that I think may help you." Know? Because I, I bet that kind of stuff happens all the time to these oh, guys. Brandon, Brandon Schaub, uh, he lives kind of down the down the block from me here in, in uh, the west side of Los Angeles. Oh, okay, cool. And um, he's a really cool guy. I get to, I've gotten to know him pretty well and, and go on his podcast every once in a while. And yeah. um, you you would be shocked, the the guys with, like, man tits and stuff that come up to him and be like, you know, if you worked on your left hook here and there, you could probably uh, – you know, I, I watched that fight with Krokop. And, you know, that was cool and all. But, man, I'm telling you, your takedown defense. And it's like, give me – you know how many hours and hours and hours of, of practice it takes to even be able to kind of broach that subject with a professional heavyweight UFC fighter? No, I mean, just just go hold pads for someone who's a good oh, striker. Yeah. Like my friend Dale Hardy fought in the UFC a couple of times. Sure. And we did some pad work one time. He was helping me with my technique. And then I held the pads for him. And I tell you what, every time he hit the pad, you could you felt some real yeah. power. And then he used to work out at my house and we'd do sledgehammer strikes. You know, and I would do it with my technique. And then when you saw him do it, you could you could tell you could tell he's a professional fighter just by his sledgehammer tire strike technique because it was so much power that was being generated. It, it, you, you, you can see easily how that carries over to his his yeah. punching technique or full body power technique on whatever he's trying to do. Yeah, when you combine God given gifts with work ethic, it's it's so alarming to see yeah. that kind of play out. When you so watch, you go to the NFL Combine or you like you said a professional MMA fighter, Muay Thai fighter, you watch them hit pads. You just stand next to it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's scary. I mean, it's scary to see how much force a human body can create. No, I know? worked out at Mark Philippi's gym, PSI here in Vegas, 
for four months back in 2010, and I wanted to work on my sprinting. So he would have me do some sprints in there, and sometimes there would be professional athletes in there sprinting at the same time. And we, we would all start at the same time. We definitely didn't finish at the same time because <laughs> the second we started, all I saw were three guys in front of me, you know, getting further and further away while I'm running at full power. I don't even feel like I'm moving. I'm like, am I, am I even moving? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's, you have, yeah, you have no real life. It's some, someone who's just a gym rat has just been around their friends and some of their friends are like, oh, you know, you're really strong. You could do this and that. Try to I mean, go go to a gym like Westside. I mean, you have that's invite only, the Louis Simmons gym. But try to find something that's the equivalent of that, or something like PSI. If you're ever in Vegas, go get a private session with Mark, and just just look around at professional athletes. When you see it in person, it, it's going to set you straight. I agree. I agree completely. I think everybody, if you honestly, like that's one of the things that I I've been so fortunate. And it's not. I'm not trying to be like you know. I'm balling, bro. So this is. But I mean, to me, with someone with my interests and my my passions. The fact that I was able to find some financial security, it's not about a big house and, and uh, a nice car. Right. It's the fact right. that like I saw Rafael Dos Anjos was in the greatest shape of his life. Oh, my gosh. His his strength and conditioning coach is here in Southern California. Gave him a call. Hey, dude, can I come down and try it out? Yeah, Boom, it's awesome. Done. I saw that, you know, this guy was, you know, in Bellator or whatever, was working with this, uh, you know, was working with Caron Gracie on. It's like, oh, my gosh, he's right in Culver City. Boom. Give yeah, it a call. that's cool. Like, yeah, I can, can have that ability. Like, don't feel f- – I, I mean, it took some time to work up the balls to do it. But like you said, Mike, if you're in Vegas and you like you like pumping iron, do look up Mark Philippi. If you want, yeah. if you feel like Louis Simmons would give you the invite, you got a pretty nice deadlift. Do it. Like just be able to 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 go to your grave saying like, you know, I, of course, I may not have gotten to the elite level, but I I, I saw what it was like. I got. Well, I, I think the problem is is that some people rather be the strongest guy in a mediocre yeah, gym exactly. rather than the weakest guy in an elite gym. So yeah. in other words, it's like, oh, I, I deadlift five plates. I'm the strongest guy at the local gym. It's like, yeah. well, you would that would be someone's warm up weight, you know, at Westside or <laughs> right. you know, a PSI. Mark can come over and pick up that weight and move it around without warming up. Right. And, but to me, those are those are all inspiring things. You know, I don't look at it yeah. that way. I like I like being in a gym where everyone's pushing it really hard, and there's people left and right that are way ahead of you because I, I find it inspiring. It gets me excited. I'm yeah. like, wow, yeah. that's cool. You, it's just to see it because when you see it, you're like, okay, that's. I look. I don't necessarily look at, look at the person. I don't look necessarily look at a professional athlete and say, "Okay, if he can do it, I can do it." But I look at it and go, "Okay, I can definitely improve. Yeah, exactly. I can improve yeah. a lot more." And that's what gets me excited. And that's that's man shit right there, though. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it took it took some time for me to get to that level. And I, I don't know about for you guys, but you know, it, it go, the same goes for not only with fitness, but in my professional life, I've seen, especially with comics and with radio guys. There's this uh, Joe Rogan uh, labeled it famine mentality, and I think that's the right. perfect way yeah. to put it. Right. Where you know, like a new guy comes in to do uh, radio in your market, and he's really good. A lot of guys get defensive and jealous. I'm like, man, no, this is it's stepping my game up. I yeah. love the fact that there's yeah. more, there's better radio. In I, I like seeing people in any industry stepping it up, whether it's acting or like a new band comes along, young guys that are killing it. I like seeing success in any arena because I find that inspiring for whatever I want to do. And it's good for business, man. It makes you have to step your game up and then it it feeds that industry. So therefore it doesn't become the joke. You know, it's just like, oh, that right there. You have to step your, (laughs) you know, you have to step your game up, man. And that, like I said, that's good for everyone involved. Yeah, absolutely. It's really gross when you see people do the opposite where they get so absolutely people kind of, threatening them or yeah like standing next to someone doing you know like getting up over 800 pounds in a squat yeah that it's 
if it's not inspiring, then you don't, then like don't lift weights. You know, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm right. not like you should, everyone should aspire to be a competitive power lifter. But my point is, is like, that's, that's un, un, tens of thousands of hours of focused uh, effort to make the human body do something that it just flat out probably shouldn't be able to do. And it's like the, 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 the unwavering commitment to do something that's inhuman. If that's not inspiring, I don't get it. I don't get it anymore. You know? Exactly. No, I, I agree completely. You know, just going on, just you did. You've done stand up comedy, right? Do you still do that? Is that something you did for a while? I never was like a like a traditional stand up. You know, I've done a never lot did. of like okay, yeah, like a like a one man show type stuff. And I certainly do a lot of live radio and live performances. But um, I, I I've been my day my bread and butter's radio, and then I've done I've transferred into writing. You know, and I have a uh, you know some some TV projects where I'm, I'm doing comedy writing, but never. Okay. Like the traditional touring stand-up. No, I was just I was just curious how you would deal with hecklers if that's something that you never went into that world. Do you deal with hecklers in your in to any degree in, in oh, what yeah. you do now? So just yeah, I mean, not, people... as much, not as much as my friends who are stand-ups, but certainly people call every day on both radio shows to just okay. talk crap and <laughs> I mean <laughs> Is that, is that is that something you can draw material from? Because I've, yeah. I've I've seen Joe Rogan where someone's a heckler and he makes a whole bit around that person and he just destroys the person. He's he's really yeah. good at that. I think that um, my friends that are standups, that's what they they have the hardest time with not dealing with hecklers in Twitter because they're so accustomed to being able to eviscerate a guy. Yeah. In, in, in the show, and they're 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 so good <laughs> at it, you know, especially good comics. You heckle them, you're in for it, and. So I think it's very frustrating for them to get a guy on Twitter, heckle them, and then not be able to kind of just get that that release, that that, that the gratification of destroying them. You know, <laughs> Joe, Joe Rogan had some heckler who was wearing some Affliction shirt with the two big lions on it or something like that. And uh, Joe Rogan had, I think he had like a Mickey Mouse T-shirt on. He's like, hey, great Mickey Mouse T-shirt, man. He's like, look, I bought this T-shirt. I knew it was silly walking out the door. He's like, you walked out the door thinking that was cool. <laughs> you know, he's, he's like, you're walking out the door thinking you look cool. That chicks are going to dig it. Like these two big skulls on your shirt. Rhinestone <laughs> floor. And, and he, you know, without missing a beat, he came right out. I was like, I was like that's, that's when you know someone has a lot of experience and they're really good at your craft because I, 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 love, I love watching him destroy hecklers on these various YouTube clips because he's so sure. good at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I mean, that goes for any industry. Again, it's yeah. like anyone can excel when everything's going well. Right, when, right. When you can flourish, when shit hits the fan, that's when you know you're in yeah. the right you're in the right field. You know. No, it's true. It, it, it's it's very true. Well, cool, man. We know you have to get going soon, and you you have some pretty interesting projects coming up. You yeah, I was about to say. Can we you, can you talk about some? Yeah, yeah. Can you, you talk know. about? Oh, go ahead, Cesar. Sorry. No, I was just saying, we were talking about that earlier because, you know, um, we were just talking about before the show started that, you know, I'm a big game show geek. And then, like I said, I was sitting there watching, you know, speaking of comedians, watching Steve Harvey on Family Feud, which is the only reason to even watch that show now. Oh, that's, that, that's hilarious. He made it relevant again. You got to talk about yeah. reinventing yourself. This guy, he is the, <laughs> uh, he's the epitome of reinventing himself. I, I, I saw an episode where someone, it was, it was like, okay, what you come up with words that come after pork, right? So it was like yeah. pork barrel. And then someone's like, coupon. <laughs> 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 Steve Harvey is like, okay, so coupon is what you think is coming out. And he just he just went on and on, Terry God. <laughs> He's like, I've never heard anyone say coupon. You know? so that's, that's one thing I love. He will not let people get away with stupid stuff, man. He's like, really? yeah. He's like, like you know, um, oh, God, what was the one? He's asking the guy, like, oh, what, what would, what, name one situation in which you would buy a bra. And the man goes, because I have man boobs. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I just thought about you, Mike. The first time, I, when as soon as he said man boobs, I'm like, okay, you need to go on Mike's website. There's some there's some things for you over there to take care of that. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, so we're watching that, and I look at the commercial, and then I look up, and who do I see? You know, I see Mr. Catherwood here. I'm like, oh, wait yep. a minute. You got a game show coming up, too? I said, okay, I got to check yeah. this out, man. Let's talk about that. It's called Chain Reaction, and yeah. it premieres on the Game Show Network on July uh, 16th. And um, they pushed back the release so that they could give it, you know, primetime slot right after uh, the, chase. Uh, the chase. Oh, and, man. Uh, oh, well, then you know I'm going to watch. I love the chase, man. The beast. That dude is ridiculous. He's awesome. He's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I'm really I'm excited about it. It was a ton of fun to film. It was mm-hmm. it was awesome. I've always loved like game show, like straightforward kind of no frills, old school game shows. Um, and uh, and so I was yeah, I was I was over the moon to be able to be picked to, to resuscitate this very cool show that it already existed uh for gsn a while yeah. back and now they're bringing it back and uh, i get to host it and and you get to see that like i said i i hope to uh take a little bit of the magic uh from mr harvey because a lot of people <laughs> when the pressure's on say some very very dumb things <laughs> exactly man so cool man congrats on that yeah we'll be definitely checking that out yeah, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We appreciate it. Hey, I, I'm a big fan of both you guys. I love the podcast, and uh, so it was a real honor for me. So thank you. Yeah, and where can people listen to Loveline? You do Dr. Drew's show as well. Is that on the, the website anywhere? Um, you know, if if you're not um, if you're not uh, in a market where Loveline's at, um, yeah. it's podcasted every day. The day okay. after the show is on the air, you can go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and just look up Loveline, and and there it is. So uh, yeah, that, that's uh, I mean, I think the the next wave of people really getting that show and, and no matter where you're at, it's a, you know, podcasting is a future gentleman as uh, I don't have to tell you. No, I think I, I really think so too, because yeah. it, it allows you to listen to something when it's convenient for you rather than, okay, let me make sure I'm available at you know 8 PM on Wednesday to right. catch this. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, nothing against the traditional terrestrial radio. I still think that there's a place for it, sure. but you know, like I, when you were, when you're on a radio show that's at 10 o'clock at night to midnight, People were always having to qualify why they were up to even listen to it. Now I can right. say, hey, dude, we had, you know, T.I. on the show. Hey, we had, you know, whoever. You should check it out. You can check it out anytime you want and listen to it at your leisure. So Loveline is a podcast and check it out. What about the other the other radio show that you uh, mentioned earlier? on the uh, seven, It's on 790 KBC AM here in Los Angeles, uh, 12 to 3. And Dr. Drew does the first hour by himself. And then I join him at 1 o'clock. So I'm on my way. Um, and, uh, you can, I'm, you know, I'm sure talk radio, it's 790 K A B C is the website and they have their own podcast there, but okay. it's a, like a, that's a definitely a more, um, narrow audience. I'm not trying to uh, tell anybody not to listen, but it's, you know, if, if I'm sure every town has their own, you know, yeah. guys who are going to wax poetic about ISIS and, and Kendall, uh, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, it's, it's a very kind of standard AM talk show. I yeah. love it, but it's, um, it's not as broad appeal, I think as love line, which really touches on problems that almost all of us deal with right okay well, fantastic yeah, man. man yeah great talking to you I, I love hearing about people that start on one path and then just go in different directions you know just follow their passions wherever it takes them i think that's really inspiring and i think it's an important lesson for people to to listen to where sometimes you pick a path and it's exciting and then for whatever reason it, you lose some of the excitement and, and then you feel stuck you're like well this is comfortable and this is what i'm known for doing so i can't deviate right. right but you can i mean what got you to initially take that path you can do it again i think a lot of oh, people yeah. are afraid to start over they feel that once they, it was so hard to develop a certain level of success that they get excited about something else but they don't want to start at that bottom slate again and i, I think that's just the wrong way to look at it yeah. just, you, just, and uh, 
you couldn't be more right. And it's like, look, you guys know these people. You know exceptional human beings. And mm-hmm. and like Malala is a real person. People who started from not Bill Gates, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Steve Jobs is a real thing. It's not some cartoon character. Right. If, you, if you really want it, and you can you can you know give yourself these. Uh, if you believe in what you're doing and you ha- you enjoy doing it, like just go for it. You can do exceptional things. Don't ever tell anybody. Like I know guys who are you know some of the biggest Hollywood screenwriters. They're not they're not Harvey Weinstein's nephew. They're right. regular old dudes who had a dream. Mike right. Judge Mike Judge was just a guy who read a book about animation, and next thing you know, he's Beavis and Buttheads, and, you know, impresario. And you can just do it. Do it if you really believe in it. You love it. Go for it. And there are a lot of things that you did in that previous field that you were successful in that you can carry over to the next one and keep right. building and building and building, which will actually make that process a little bit easier next time around because you learn from that last process. And right. that's the one thing I think a lot of people tend to forget about when they get ready, when they really want to move to something else. Yeah, I don't believe in wasted time. A lot of people yeah. feel like, oh, you know, I wasted so much time doing this. So it's like, I don't think it was wasted time. You learned. I look at everything I've done in the past. There was, there was, a, there was a lot of things I learned from that that were useful yeah. ultimately. Right. Yeah. So whether it's doing a job you hated, it's like, okay, well, you probably picked up some skills there. I did some jobs, business development jobs for Internet companies, which were boring as sin. But I really learned about the Internet space, which obviously was very useful when I started my own Internet company. And you've got some you've got some, you know, some what I like to call pubes in that. (laughs) It's like, hey, waking up every day when that alarm goes off to go to the job you hate where your boss is an asshole and, and lay brick or hang drywall, even if you hate it, if you, you know, said you're like doing program for internet companies mm-hmm. going and, and powering through, it gives you a level of grit and you can't get that in any classroom and you can't get that, you know, without just earning it. And, and there's value in that alone. Even yeah, if you don't learn enough. something, learn something to apply to the next field you go in, right. just there's something to getting a little bit of grit, you know? Sweat equity is what that's called, right? Yeah. Man. Just to, I mean, you're building experiences, right? You're building a database of experiences that you can draw upon. Yep. And that's always useful. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, you know, the last thing, I'm sure you guys probably get these emails as well. But, you know, it's like, how do I get into your field? And I'll do any, I'll even, you know, and the guy, the kid 19 years old, is like, I'll get coffee. And it's like, oh, really? You, you're so big time. You would even lower yourself to go and get coffee for us? Like, wow. Of course, that's what you're supposed to do. Like, I think every, nowadays, you know, it's amazing with technology, you can get so much done and, and, and there's a lot that people have access to. But it also, it takes away from the fact that, like, Guys who want to make it in the music industry, they think they can just go on a reality show instead of right. get in a yeah. van, tour around the country and eat Velveeta between, you know, the <laughs> five of them. And, you know, guys who want to get into the to the film industry, they think they can just, you know, take some course and get a digital camera. And it's like, go for it. It's like, no, give give it some time to really just. Yeah, everyone's looking for shortcut. Everyone's looking for a short. If you think about it, every seminar on how to be successful is basically <laughs> selling you an illusion of a shortcut to success. Right. Like if you do right. these principles, you can avoid the pain and suffering that it takes. To be this successful. is what worked for me. This is how I got yeah. here. Yeah. The re- over reality the is just going to events like that is a total delaying tactic because eventually you're going to have to start on that slate and there's going to be a lot of setbacks. There's going to be a lot of pitfalls. There's going to be plenty of frustrations along the way. And all of those things are going to shape your character and ultimately have the potential to make you a much better person. So not only should you not avoid those obstacles, you should embrace those obstacles and utilize them exactly. right to, grow to the person you can become yep. so i think i think it's, it's the wrong message that we keep on getting it's like you know avoid pain and suffering whether it's 
It's like you get as strong as possible without any of the suffering. <laughs> you know, you know, build <laughs> a business without having to suffer. You're, you're going to suffer along the embrace, way. Embrace the suck. Yeah, you know, really, you know. that's that's the truth. Embrace it. You're, learn to learn to know that the suffering leads to better things. You know, because okay. comfort zones oftentimes they're just they're 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 an ends to nowhere. Yeah, no, like UFC nothing is, great happens in a, in a comfort zone, man. No, absolutely. You look at MMA; it's the, it's the ultimate epitome of this. Where you see someone like Cain Velasquez, or let's let's say someone has been fighting more often because Cain's had a bunch of injuries. Let's say someone has been fighting a couple times a year, and it's like, oh, that looks exciting. You know, they get in front of twenty thousand people, they're winning, everybody's cheering for them. They get this belt put around their waist. They get to go to the after party. That's the right. life. I want that. The reality is, is that's probably what three, four nights out of the year. The rest of the time, <laughs> right. you're at the gym, you know, training, getting training. Beat up, training. You know? Yeah, there's no glory there. You go Injuries. home at the end of each day, you're beat up. You go to sleep, you wake up early in the morning, start it again. That's the life of a fighter, day in and day out. So it's that, like Ronnie. It's like Ronnie Coleman said very clearly. Everybody <laughs> won't be a bodybuilder. Nobody want to lift no heavy weights. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. I think that's a good place to end. Thanks again for coming on, buddy. Appreciate of course, guys. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Thank you. Okay, again, that was our friend Mike Catherwood. Check him out on Dr. Drew's Loveline. And he's all over Twitter as well. He's on there posting everything he's doing. He's going to be on that game show soon as well. And make sure to check us out at MikeMahler.com or AggressiveStrength.com. Use that coupon code LLA. Get 10% off any of the products you see on there. Best testosterone booster around. Recovery oil help you get a great night of sleep so you have productive workouts, productive life. Restorezyme, get rid of all those aches and pains. Estrogen blockers so you can finally get rid of those bitch tits that have been haunting you for decades. <laughs> and then <laughs> how about with you, man? As I'm trying to, like, block out my freaking landscapers right now, man. But anyway, yeah, head over to NewWarriorTraining.com, man. Use the same coupon code LLA, and you can get 10% off all my products over there, my weight management program. In fact, as we were doing the show, someone just signed up for that. So, and I, you know, I'm about to give everybody the shout-outs, too, so I'll mention in just a second. But you can also get my pour-over coffee stands. And also, man, you can get my DVD over there. And pretty much anything that you can purchase, you can use that coupon code and get 10% off. And speaking of those customers that have supported us, man, I just want to say, give a big shout-out to the following folks who use that coupon code. Dan Chesarek, Greg Hudson, Brian DeBates. Uh, I think I just screwed up his last name. <laughs> so, so, Brian, don't hold it against me, brother. Okay, so it's like uh, also we got um, Nathan Caldwell, Justin Carmen, and John Hickey. Thank you all for using that coupon code LLA and supporting our show, supporting our businesses, and also our Patreon, our new Patreon supporters. Also, um, here's another name. And we've, he always talks to us on Twitter, but you know, and I believe he's in Ireland, so sometimes they spell things that not exactly, it doesn't look like it sounds. So I, I'm gonna say Coleman. I really hope that's his name. Coleman. <laughs> you know, and I'm not even gonna try to obliterate your last name, brother. You know, and also Daniel Hayes and Freya Hansen as well. New Patreon supporters, we truly we we appreciate you guys. So thanks a lot for supporting the show. Yeah, and just a few people. I'm just looking at my phone. People who just ordered product. I didn't get a chance to do the list, but just a few people that came in. Ryan Parsons. See, we got Christopher Pappas, and a few names that I can't pronounce well, so I'm going to skip those. <laughs> Jeff Crosby, <laughs> Mike Suffren, Dan Williams, and let's see, Kai Ford. So thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate you using that coupon code LLA to get some great nutrition products, and then you support the show. So it's it's win-win all around. 
you support a great show, you support our respective businesses, and then you get some great products and services in return. You know, where's the loss here? It's not like we're selling a bunch of crap. It's not like, well, well Mike's supplements suck, but I'll buy them anyway just to support the show. It's like, no, the show is great, so you should support it for that reason. You can use Patreon. Both of our collective products are incredible, so it's win-win all around. Exactly. So, yeah, we appreciate that. And for those of you who haven't, step up your game, man. Don't be that guy or that guy. Well, you need you need to pull your head out of your ass, or you may have it in someone else's ass. That's a possibility hey, man, as well. They are making Human Centipede. They are making Human Centipede 3, so I have to wonder who's who's starring in that. Might and be some, some of you. you. Some, no, some of you have your – you might have your face in an ass thinking it's going to improve your kettlebell technique, but not only not, – <laughs> There's a little inside joke that we'll have to get into. Not only will it not improve your kettlebell technique, it's not oh, <laughs> it's boy. not going to allow you to support our show because you can't you can't find the show <laughs> as long as you're in that situation. All right, so get out of it. <laughs> oh, on that note, <laughs> we'll catch you, every one of you on the next show, folks. Thank you, everybody. 